G'day folks, welcome to another edition of the Detour Live and we're coming off the back of tipping the winner Johnny last night at Juicy Odds. The hail Oracle. the guru, hail the guru, go on your dad, go on your dad the man. Yeah, uh, and we are joined by Brody O'Donnell, commentary superstar of this year's Tour de France. Uh, Brody, you must be pretty excited for tonight's stage. I'm excited that I'm not riding up the Col de Madeleine <laughs> and the Col de la Loz. Yeah, it's going to be amazing to watch. Last night was amazing. Uh, Sunday night was incredible. I hope Richie does nothing. I hope he's invisible today. Yeah. And Bills, how are you feeling, mate? <laughs> but rough this morning, to be honest, guys. Um, yeah, I was saying, saying the other day that, you know, I've been, after the crash, I've been feeling pretty rough and uh, haven't had it. Haven't actually managed to have a drink, but uh, I did bring myself to, to Europe this year. I did actually bring myself two bottles of Michelin Prince Shiraz in the suitcase. Um, I thought, you know, one day they'll come in handy. And yeah, got through them last night. So great wine, but not so good the next day. But I'm pumped to be here and looking forward to an exciting stage. Yeah, that last climb is going to be absolutely fireworks. Um, and breaking news, uh, Banal is withdrawn from the tour, um, which, you know, I suppose it's expected that uh, given that he's not going to contend for the GC. But what do you think, Bridie, about um, withdrawing with sort of four days to go? Well, I've never been a GC contender. I can see why he would. But I also, he, he said lightheartedly, I want to be able to work for the team one day, carry bottles. This would have been a good chance. He could have ridden with him in himself and given bottles and Kwiatkowski or Carapaz could have tried again. So I totally get why he did and he lost a lot of time. But, geez, it's not a great look for Ineos, for the team and their whole agenda. Uh, I really want to know what's going on with his lower back. If there's anything else, uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, Wouldn't I, I hope your day, John. <laughs> no, no, we would continue until they threw us out. But um, I uh, hope that it is something medical because he even made a statement only in the last 24 hours that he was going to finish this race and work for the team. He actually said he was going to do that. Not that he would like to do it. He said, I will do this. So I hope, because he seemed a very genuine sort of guy. So obviously he's not well. I mean, you, you don't go from winning the Tour de France to, to, to being spat out the back that much so uh and maybe it's gotten worse so uh let's let's hope that that's the case and not just um a big timer not being prepared to struggle through but billy what what effect does that have when you're riding a whole tour for a leader and you know you're on the front you're doing the work you, you keep him out of trouble and then in an instance like this obviously yeah we don't know all the details but um as bridey said sometimes it's it's not a good look yeah, no, and, and like if he says, I, I I I would hope that the reason he has pulled out is because of because it's a, a medical issue, you know, his back. We, like we said, we don't know the details. We don't know the details about his back back issue, his knee issue. Uh, maybe, maybe the medical staff and team has said to Bernard, look, mate, it's, you're not going to do yourself any favours. Uh, we could be looking at like a longer longer recovery if you do continue. Uh, it's, it's the best thing to do is to stop. But, um, you know... As a leader of the team, it goes far beyond just winning the bike race. And if it is uh, simply an issue of going, you know, I'm off the, I'm off the, I'm off the GC. Uh, I came here to win this race. I'm not going to win this race. Let's pack the bags and go home. That would, be, that would be a real shame because when you are a leader, leader of the team, 
you lead in so many different ways. And there's still four or five days left to go in this race. There's still opportunities for that team to do things. Let's go win stages. Bernal could perhaps even go and win a stage from a breakaway. Um, and and you want to you want to have you know that, that that team is there specifically since the start to help Bernal. Sure, it hasn't gone to plan. That's a real shame for them. Uh, but stick the race out. Uh, but but yeah, we don't know the details. So if if it is a medical thing, then sure, it's the right decision. Well, Samantha's done a bit more research than we have, and she said it's reported he still has pain in his back plus knee from the Dolphino. So I'd say it is medical because, um, yeah. yeah. But I mean, also that... Thibaut Pino has not had the tour he wanted to have, and he's stayed, he's yo-yoed back and forth. He's had his team around him sometimes. He's had a go. So it's. I, I do wonder too how much around team direction has been said, mate, if you're not going to win, you can get out of here. Um, I've been in teams like that where they say we only want you here if you're good. We don't. It's not worth our reputation. I mean, that's a different size team and a different profile. But I sometimes there's all that other politics. Maybe it's got nothing to do with Bernal's choice, and that would be a shame too. And, and, and another thing is, there's still two grand tours to go in the season. So you know, maybe maybe they're looking at um, his back or his knee and going, you know, look, what it's not really bad. Uh, you you could finish this tour, but let's get you home. Let's rest you up. Let's get you recovered, and maybe he's at the Vuelta or maybe the Giro. More likely the Vuelta, I would think. <laughs> um, and how? Every day. There's a lot of there's a lot of chat even with Ineos um, guys like Rod Allingworth, like how much they're missing the the pre planning and and the scheduling. Is there a bit of um, chat about that within the media and the commentary writing? There's no doubt he was a real asset, but also the death of Nico Portal has clearly yeah. had a really devastating impact yeah. on the team and the writers that knew him well, not just as a human being and the loss of that, but the, the loss of what he brought to the team. And mm. no doubt there'd be right, there'd be a dynamic or a system there that's grieving his absence uh, and never underestimate what that's like. You know, Bill's talked about having leaders. People, I never met Portal, but people loved him. They said he was a formerly a great bike rider, a great leader. He was charismatic. He was kind. He was hard. They're all the things you want in a team. He's not there anymore. That changes the dynamic. And also to the point about future tours, like Froome and Geraint Thomas rode as Tirano Adriatico. Froome didn't ride that great. And so they don't have all the options for the Giro and the Vuelta and everything that they thought they might have. Um so, look, it's interesting. I think there's a, there's a lot of other interesting things happening, though, in this tour, and we don't want to just spend all our time on saying, oh, what a bummer about mm. Bernal. Now, it was a bit of a relief that uh, the COVID test got the all clear. So uh, does it look like, you know, they've, they've got to finish in Paris, uh, even though it's obviously heating up as a, as a red zone? Well, if you don't test anyone, then they can't test positive before Paris. It sounds like Donald Trump. <laughs> well, it, but it's exactly right. They're, they're, they've played this very well. The, the testing only on the two rest days. And you know what? If there had been, I've heard, there had been uh, some teams that had the positives, had put more positives uh, on Monday, they still would have been able to continue because of the way they they worked, worded and worked all of this. So also, it was planned to go. Prudom came back after a week, a week after a positive test. That's not a protocol in any country that you would yep. have a positive test and be back working on the course a week later. They they said it was because he was asymptomatic and apparently the government changed the rules because um, the French are now world leaders in COVID expert he's analysis. All, he's also not in the bubble. He's not in what they class as the bubble. So they, I guess they deemed him to be, uh, he, he wasn't going to bring any any issues to the 
the Peloton bubble. Uh, obviously, we have we have our bubble of bike riders and, and our team staff, uh, and he he's separated from that bubble. Uh, I don't I don't know who's in his bubble again to use that word, but uh, yeah, the, what what they were saying is that he he is not in the bubble, so uh, he can come back and you know he's not going he doesn't have any direct contact with anybody that could uh, affect the race in any way by being positive. So he um, yeah, but still an interesting call to bring him back after a week. So, Brody, you were saying earlier that you're hoping that Richie can hold the wheel and, and you know, stick with the hitters. Are you expecting of any of the GC contenders to just throw the absolute kitchen sink on that last HC climb? I am. I think Pogachar's got this beautiful gift of being young, fearless, nothing to lose, uh, and wanting to stick it a little bit to Roglic. I think he wants to attack the hell out of today um, and try and do what he hasn't been, like, to actually bring some time back. Uh, and if he does, of course, we know he lost time uh, two weeks ago because of being out of position, not because of his legs. So if he manages to do damage today to Roglic, that's a real consolidation then that he is the best rider in this Tour de France. Um, but that said, we haven't seen Roglic really go full gas yet. And we also, like Lando Uran, Uran's been quiet and Port have been quiet. And I think Port's kind of... 400 metre to go on the Puy Marie showed us that he's thinking about it and he still looked within himself. But I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what Sam's thoughts are about this because he knows the riders so well. Yeah, well, I saw those. I saw Roglic and uh, Pogacar on the coverage yesterday riding along, having a laugh and chatting together. So um, it's all, you know, they're obviously friends, but they're not going to be friends when they get to that last climb today. It's super, super steep. Uh, I think Pogacar knows that he can, he can certainly... Um, expose Roglic potentially on that last climb. Uh, as we know, it's a, it's a new climb. Um, they've just they've basically built a road for, for, for the Tour de France and, and that last 4K is super steep. So yeah, I think that Pogacar will back himself to to take some time today, with it, even, even if that means going to the line with Roglic. Uh, but if they continue the stage win and he can and he can beat Roglic in the final, that's another four seconds he takes back. Uh, I think Roglic is not going to be that comfortable with taking only 40 seconds into the time trial. Uh, although he is a World Cup time trial rider, he was beaten by Pogacar in a similar course at the Slovenian Nationals in the, in the, in the TT. So I think that it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be fireworks. Pogacar is going to back himself to try to take some time or it's certainly a time bonus at the finish. And I think Roglic is going to, going to want to have more time um, to feel more comfortable when it comes to that time trial. So, yeah, we're looking at a, at a certainly a great battle today on that last climb. Well, the yeah, other also, thing is, I was going to say, it's going to be a great battle for that uh, that third spot too, because we've got five riders within you know forty odd seconds, and they're all coming showing great form. You know, uh, uh, Uran, uh, as well as Richie, uh, Adam Yates, um, I'm trying to think, they all uh, the, the Gomez. You know, they're all in really good form, uh, getting stronger uh, uh, as the tour goes on so i'm looking forward to that it was interesting talking to whitey earlier just how hard that last six k's are you know being in a it's actually like a bike path that they've made between the two resorts and at 2300 meters we're getting up pretty high it's going to be uh yeah really really um grueling final half hour of this bike race well, that's the thing, Brody. What effect does altitude have on, on these athletes from a medical perspective? And will it catch out the guys that just aren't used to it? I think it'll be great for Uran, Lopez and Quintana. 
you know, these are guys that train and live in altitude when they're at home in Colombia, which is for a lot of them the majority of their season. We know they were flown in quite late to Europe. They've had their sort of best preparation. Uh, we know that most of the other guys in the top 10 GC live in Europe, Central Europe, so no altitude. And some riders just are great at altitude and some riders don't like it, even when they're elite um, and the best in the world. Uh, and, and for all of us who've lived at altitude or done altitude training, it has very different effects on everyone. So, um, and also it's day 17, their t- legs are tired. Um, we saw that yesterday as well when the break was been, being established that everyone's just looking more fatigued, which is totally understandable. It's been aggressive and fast racing and a lot of guys crashing. So they'll feel worse in altitude. It'll feel harder and their maximum effort won't generate the same velocity. That said, the air is thinner, but when you're going a lot slower, it's not the same. Whereas when you're sprinting at altitude, and we know track riders and the hour world record, for example, that gets uh, the velocity advantages when you're going faster are a lot better at altitude. Jules, does it affect people with bigger frames like yourself a lot more than the little whippets like your Estebans? Uh yeah, well, Espar's not a good example because, like Brady says, he, he's an altitude native. So those guys, you know, they they definitely respond better to those high high alpine stages. And uh, and you saw last year when Bernal when Bernal won the tour, he, he he won the tour very late, and it was when they hit those really really high uh, high altitudes. Um, as and yeah, for bigger guys, I mean, I've always been a believer, and I've and I don't know, I might have created the scenario in my own head to help myself, but I think bigger guys. Um, they, they do better at altitude for some reason. I've got no, absolutely no um, <laughs> explanation as to why. But uh, uh, yeah, but like like Brady says, like those, they, there are a number of guys that are fighting for that podium spot that are altitude natives. So so it's not going to be an issue for those guys. But in saying that, everybody else that, that, that is at the Tour de France, and especially this year, given the fact that we had no racing for such a long time, have all spent. Uh, long periods at altitude training uh, preparing for the Tour de France so uh, it'll be yeah uh, I mean it certainly has an effect uh, I think everybody was probably a little bit conditioned to altitude at this, at this point but the the last four or five k that climb is so steep that I think that uh, you, you're going to see a real indication of who's going to finish third on the third in the Tour de France in that 4k because if you're alone uh, on that last part of that climb you, you're going to hemorrhage time uh, the, the key is basically to follow, follow, follow. If you're one of those guys, and and make sure that you're in a group. If you can stay with the group of the of the of the of the top guys, uh, and you and you you've got the guys that are fighting for the podium position behind you alone, uh, you can take a lot of time out of those guys. Uh, we've got a question for you, Brady. It's from Stuart. He said, "Can Brady explain to us the science physiology behind why riding at altitude is a whole new ball game?" Uh, that's a we might not have enough time, but I'll, they'll give you the, the basics. It's just the partial pressure of oxygen in higher altitudes is less. So if you think about your body and your heart and lungs as a car, uh, the fuel is coming in, but at a weaker concentration. So you need more of it to even generate the same power or same speed. And of course, every time you're using, you use your muscles, they need oxygen, they need blood supply. So the blood supply is still great. You've still got a great pump but it's not delivering oxygen at the same rate. And an elite athlete may not even adapt as as well as an average sedentary or medium level fitness person. So it's actually quite an individual thing. But as Sam mentioned, people train at altitude. I've lived at at altitude in in the US or in Livigno or slept at altitude in a tent and you adjust to it. You start to creep the height up in wherever you're staying and you train 
um, you sleep high and train low or you could have a different protocol so that you're recovering the whole time at altitude. And what you're doing is helping your body adjust to, to having less oxygen in the air around you. So it makes it harder. You're a bit more short of breath. You feel ratchet. Uh, but <laughs> you are better than the people who haven't adjusted to altitude. So if you think about the worst climb you've ever done where you feel really short of breath and out of shape, that's how a lot of elite athletes will feel the first few days that they get. And when we used to train at Stelvio, you climbed from Lavinia up to Stelvio and you just felt garbage. So it'd be even worse if you had a drink at altitude as well. So, I've heard that that could yeah. be terrible. <laughs> hey, uh, before we let you go, Bridie, geez, there must be a big buzz in the SBS studios knowing that they've got the tool for the next 10 years. The Tominator must be absolutely fizzing. He must be. Uh, he's up in Sydney, so we're um, protected from all of that fizzing. But um, it's it's an amazing announcement. It's such a credit to the work that SBS has been doing for 30 years to deliver the tour. But it also, I mean, we've seen this over the last month. There's heaps happening, the Women's Giro, the Spring Classics, the Worlds. So there's so many races that uh, they've been bringing to the audience. And I think we're even seeing more and more engagement, particularly because of coronavirus and there's been less sports. So now people are really into it. And that's a great thing for for SBS and I think the coverage is just it's world class so I'm mm. so I'm proud to be part of it this year and I think um, what we're learning is how to deliver better for audiences to make them all enjoy themselves and um, enjoy the show and enjoy the way they're seeing the race unfold because not everyone's really interested in altitude or what's per kilo they might be really interested in dynamics and tactics and strategy or they might be interested in chateaus but I, I think, and Johnny would agree, I think you've brought such a freshness to the coverage in terms of the three of you and the chemistry has worked fantastic. And knowing Keno and Robbie, I mean, they're, they're pretty clicky at times and they've got their routine, but um, I think it's added just a, another level. Wouldn't I don't you know agree, what John? About. It's just I, a normal bromance. That, that yeah. <laughs> no, it is. But, you know, just to, to echo what Dan just said, um, you have done a fantastic job. But I can't think of anything tougher than to try and jump in and become a, a trio to that duo. You know what I mean? That's a tough gig. And you've, you've made it seamless. Oh, thanks. But look, they are professionals. The team here have been really super supportive. But also, this is not the first time I've done it. So it's not like mm. I'm a total neo pro. Um, we've done it a bit at Worlds and we're better. We we're way better last night than we were in week one. Like we're getting into a good rhythm. It is really hard to speak for five hours about a race that's when we're completely unscripted. And we're doing it live and we're going to make mistakes or we're going to talk over each other sometimes, but it's actually starting to flow so well and we're having a good time and I think that's what's showing, that, that people realise yeah. we're really enjoying it. That's the best bit. And Bills, they've been given the Social Distance podcast plenty of plugs, so, you know, yeah. you'd have to be really appreciative of that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Brighty, and uh, all the best uh, for tonight. It's it's going to be a fantastic stage, and we're all going to be glued to the TV sets, cheering on Richie Port uh, and Adam Yates, of course. Yeah. Did, did we get did we Brody, did, Brody, did we get your selection for today? Have we have we oh, got that? Oh, yeah. Come on, no, no, no! You said that last time, but come on, we want to get this. It'll be on my phone. I've got to come. We're doing it in order. I'm tipping third. I have no idea who the other people have tipped. So. <laughs> okay. okay, it'll be a Colombian. It'll be Colombian. <laughs> All right. There you go. Thanks for joining us, Brody. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. Cheers, Brody O'Donnell, absolute superstar. Now, 
Uh, we've had a few people saying, hey, you didn't mention that you tipped the winner last night. I mentioned that at the top of the show. Of course I did. Now, here's the celebrations from Bora in the bus. And this is pretty much what I was doing at home as well. Bravo. Bravo, Lenny. Is that Slovakia, a big Slovakia? Slovakia? Oh. Is that is that a big European thing, Bills, with celebrations? To, like, da -da 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 -da. like, because Wing Dog used to love doing that in Holland yeah. as well. Yeah, that ticka taka ticka taka thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a real European thing. And yeah. yeah, at the dinner table as well, they always do like, yeah, you know, some sort of. I mean, I, I was going to say like at the start of that footage, I was like, oh, they don't seem that happy about it. I was just like, oh, yeah. High five! But then they got, they, they got into it after that. <laughs> um, so I'd, I'd like to just talk about that uh, that ride of of, um, of Leonard Leonard Cohen. I mean, not Leonard Cohen, uh, the other Leonard, <laughs> Leonard Skinner. <laughs> Leonard Skinner's. Um, that was just a superb uh, effort. Now, when you had you had Carapaz attack near the top of the climb, and he counterattacked him. It looked like he was just going for the uh, for the KOM. It just kept going. He only had like 30 or 40 metres on him over the crest, but that was the last Carapaz ever saw him. He just rode away. It was just a magic ride. Well, I fell asleep again, like on the couch, and then I I missed the sort of last 30 Ks, but when the commentary dialed up for the final, I got the last, you know, uh, two kilometres, and I was so stoked because, you know, <laughs> I've, I've really felt that it's been a battle on this show to sort of get my voice heard, but... Now, I remember McEwen sent me on Twitter. He goes, oh, did you back it? And I sent him the bet slip, and he's like, mate, you're the oracle. I hope you guys <laughs> really respect that. Because in the, in the commentary, Keenan said um, you'd have to um, back him as, as the favourite in that group. And, and Robbie said, oh, no, no, no. Like Carapaz, you know, he's going to have the, the strength on that final climb. So, um, yeah, proved him wrong as well. Now, we've got a big show, Johnny, because we're going to announce a winner of the Let's Go Motorhomes competition. That's a free rental uh, for seven days, and that was for the best question of the week. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier, we caught up with Matt White. Uh, so this is our interview with Whitey, and I have edited the clip properly this time. There's no Good mistakes. Good man. <laughs> Here's Whitey. Uh, Whitey, I said to you yesterday, I told you who was going to win the stage. Uh, really? When are you taking applications? Maybe I could move in as a DS. Uh, next year, or year after. <laughs> mate, impressive ride, impressive ride uh, to go down the road in the third third breakaway of the tour at that age, first Tour de France. No, Chapeau, the kid was. Uh, I, I I had Carapaz picked as soon as that break went. I thought Carapaz is going to eat this break alive, and yeah, he, he uh, attacked Kemner near the top, and Kemner caught him, went on with it, and even then I thought it's, it's a lot. I knew the valley before the last climb, uh, but no, he just rode away into the distance and. Uh, very, very uh, solid victory from the young German. Yeah, what is it with the young blokes at this tour? I mean, is it just better management? Um, they're just, you know, full of beans? What's What the hell is going on? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, there's a group of young guys, you know, Mark Hershey, Bernal, Evan Poole, uh, it's Kemner. Uh, they've been around a couple of years, but they, they, they turn pro very young, but they are they're hitting their straps faster than... Most, most. Whether they're just a, a batch of very, very talented kids that are coming through, 
I, I don't. I honestly don't know. But uh, there has been a lot of action for some from some very young uh, riders, including Pochacar as well, who's tw- a ripe old age of twenty one, and probably <laughs> and probably the strongest as strong as as strong as Rodzik here. You know, so it's yeah. yeah I, I can't give an explanation, but uh, there's a there's some very talented young guys showing the older boys what it's all about. And you know what was just as impressive as, as his ride yesterday was the fact that Dan. Still, even though you tried to talk him out of it, still backed him for the win. Mm. It would have, you would have got good odds. That's Nineteen sure. to one. It there was very juicy. And well, I mean, we were obviously hoping that um, Esteban or, or when Nieve went in the break that it was one of uh, the Mitchell and Scott boys, but they fought on hard, but um, just didn't work out in the end, mate. Yeah, look, we wanted to have multiple people in there, and. Uh... And the, the one to have in there was Esteban. Look, Mikel, Mikel's a bit of a wounded duck here. He went down twice in the first week and he was just recovering from the first crash and, and landed on uh, the same area in his back in the second crash. And he's just he's not 100%. And, you know, good enough to get into the brakes, but obviously he's, he's not not he's, they're not the, he's not the normal Mikel Nieve because the normal <laughs> Mikel Nieve would have been fighting a, fighting for a win there. Yeah. And we're, we're doing what we can. It's, it's hard to 100% get over an injury in the middle of the race and even a rest day might do a little bit of good, but then you're back into it a day like yesterday. So he, he'll limp through to Paris and uh, I dare say he's going to be in good shape for the Tour of Spain in, in a month's time. But uh, Esteban was the one to have in there and that will be the plan again today. If we can get Esteban into that move today, it'd be uh, our, our only chance to win if Jumbo let the break go. And otherwise you'll see Adam Yates uh, climbing with the best guys and, uh, seeing if he can hold that pace move up uh, in uh, for his attempt at arrive on the podium. Now, yesterday uh, it, it was a, a, a tough stage, but there was just shadow boxing from the main contenders. Uh, yep. You'd think it's going to be a little bit different today, wouldn't you? Yeah, there, there's no shadow boxing at 2,300 metres above sea level, mate. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a very, very tough day. The first 80 case flat and you know, some type of break will go. Uh, yeah, obviously, then the, the Col de Madeleine is a, a long, brutal climb, 17 kilometers in length. And then the last climb of the day, 21k, and the last 6k of that has never been used before. So it's a um, it's a bike path that is a fresh bike path that's been laid to link ski resorts. Uh, and it is very hard. And I, I was with Adam two weeks ago before the, or the week before the Tour de France, and we reconned all of these stages. and. Uh, it has some very, very steep inclines in the last 6K, up to 20%. So mm. it's like a bit of a roller coaster, mm. up and down. That, that profile doesn't show that. But it is not just climb, climb, climb. It's uh, The last 6K is, is rolling, and it's a brutally tough finish. And, you know, when you get above 2,000 metres, that affects guys in, in different ways as well. So what if Mitchell and Scott can't win today? Who's your tip? Oh, she's hard to go hard to go past the uh, But... Oh, I, th- I think the yellow jersey is going to want to stamp his authority on the race today. So I'll, I'll go winning in yellow with Rodgley. Oh, there you go. That was Matt White. Uh, what did you think of that, Bills? You might. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't see it. Yeah, technical difficulties there. I just had a black screen. So I just didn't really get unfortunately. So no contribution from me. <laughs> But it's funny, your microphone was still working, so I could hear you, and I think the listeners heard you go, where's Whitey? Yeah, because when so, you said you were playing it, all I could see was was us three. And uh, I thought, oh, what's happening here? And you were drinking a bottle of water. I was waiting for the uh, cup to play. 
<laughs> I don't know, mate. It's, it's the first for everything. It's probably the Wi-Fi. Uh, now, Johnny, before we get into our Detour DeLorean segment, uh, we should thank our sponsors. Uh, Lexus of Blackburn, our great uh, partners in cycling, sponsors of the Bay Classic, the Women's Herald Sun Tour, <laughs> uh, and great family, the, the Moore family. So when you uh, uh, get out of lockdown, want to go and get that new car, go and see the team at Lexus of Blackburn. And, of course, the Mitchelton Hotel at beautiful Mitchelton Winery, uh, Nagambi on the banks of the Goulburn River, just the most beautiful spot I'm telling you, when the lockdown gets unlocked, you, the first place you should go is book in the hotel. It's just absolutely magnificent. See that pool there at the side? Absolutely glorious. Uh, and I'm uh, I booked in there for, for a 70th birthday for my darling wife uh, in a couple of weeks. And, uh, of course, our f- mates at Let's Go Motorhomes. Yes, Let's Go Motorhomes. You're about to announce that prize in a minute, I guess. Yeah, yep. Let's Go Motorhomes, fantastic uh, uh, company, fantastic sponsor. Um, the uh, Now that the state, other than Melbourne, uh, is now unlocked, you can go and grab your Let's Go Motorhome. Plenty of regional ones. Go Bendigo, Geelong, Ballarat, uh, and uh, Whiz, you can go anywhere you like, like we just stay inside Victoria. Yeah. Uh, and, or book the, the the early bird special 90 days in advance uh, and, and you get 5% discount. All right, drum roll. The winner of the comp for the first week is Peter Morris. And that was his question where he said, all riders have shock tags fitted, should have shock tags fitted to their helmets. Uh, pre- prescribed G-Force is registered by the tag that riders should be forced to abandon. We have this technology. I just thought that was good. You know, it's left to centre. Um, they're probably not going to do it, but um, I thought it was pretty good. Do you agree with I, that one, Johnny? I, 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 it's a, it was a very good question, and I th- actually think it's something they could bring in because mm. you know we aren't like other sports where you can just take someone off <clears> in <throat> football or any other sport. You can just take them off and assess them. We can't do that. So uh, something like that's about the only really realistic uh, uh, thing we could do in the f- going, moving forward. All right. And, uh, of course, here's the new ad from our mates at Bike Exchange. Look at this bike. You think it's just a bike, right? But it's not. It's a bike. 374 people are looking at. This guy, this girl, them, all looking at it. People from here, there, and wherever this is. People that are looking for a bike. Or just a piece of it. Amateurs. Semi-amateurs. And pro-amateurs. This guy wants this bike, but with this crank. And these bars. This could be the perfect match. But not this one. This girl has a bike to sell. And thousands of people might purchase it. Eyes on bikes help grow small businesses. His, hers, yours. And the latest data and insights help those businesses keep moving. We are the world's number one bike marketplace with over 500,000 products and 900 brands where buyers and sellers are brought together in a place where a bike is never just a bike. Bike Exchange, where the world buys, sells, learns and rides. Yeah, I actually exported a new version of that that doesn't clip the logo. So apologies to the uh, the guys at Bike Exchange. It was a great ad. Uh, now, Billy, we've got a few comments coming in. Uh We've got one from James McPherson. Rotorua is proud of you, Sam. Thanks, so, mate. Yeah, and then we've always get your mate. Is this your mate, Rao? Bules. <laughs> I don't know who that is. 
<laughs> he's, he's leading the competition for the Let's Go Motorhome at the moment. And we're getting a lot of um, people. Kirsty wants to know when we'll get the wean dog. And then Ian Thomas says, yeah, Kirsty, bring on the wean dog. Now, I sent him a WhatsApp to ask if he'd come on the show, but I don't know if they've got WhatsApp in Holland. or he's what, With him and technology, no good, as you know, Bills. No, he's terrible with technology. So, yeah, keep on it. Maybe next yeah. year he'll be on for the 2021 edition. And, and Bewley, we've put you to work. You're trying to get uh, a few people out there, a few big names. Um, so, we'll, fingers crossed, you can land a big fish over the next – well, we've only got, what, four or five days to go. So, That's the it. clock's right. ticking. Doing my best. I'm doing my best. But if you can land a couple of those guys, it'd be great for sure. Yep. All right. Detour DeLorean time, guys. Roads. Well, we're going. We don't need roads. Now, I've mentioned before, Bules, that uh, you're a dual Olympic medalist, but you are also a Grand Tour stage winner. So I thought, why not go back into the archives 2015 uh, to the Giro, kick things off with a team time trial. Can you set the scene for us, Julie, going into this race? Yeah, well, we, the, the, the Giro started the year with the team time trial. So obviously the the, uh, the leaders' jersey was on the on the line there for for, for the winning team. Uh, we had we had actually, you know, we, Whitey had stacked the team for this team time trial. That was the goal. We were going to go there. We we're going to win the team time trial. And, and then with a couple of the riders that we had with us, hopefully that would mean that we could defend the jersey for the first week. Um, we actually had a bit of a, a rough run-in. We, we lost Swain Tuft. He was obviously the, one of the big engines of the team time trial. He had a really bad crash the week prior at Tour of Romandy, so he wasn't able to start the uh, the Giro that year. And Luke Durbridge, who was also another big engine, he had a big crash training um, just a few days prior, but... Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it was a few panic stations there that we're going to lose a couple of the big engines. Uh, we didn't have Swaino, but Durbo, Durbo turned up and he was in fine form as well. So we uh, we we really took it took it to them. We were racing Saxo back. Uh, they, were, they were the closest team to us. Um, but, yeah, it was a big goal for us that year on, on a bike path in San Remo. So the speeds were, were in excess of 60k an hour. Um, and, yeah, as you'll see from, the, from what you're about to show, Jonesy, Things went well. Mm. And, the, yeah, there was a lot of pressure going into that start. I remember that much. Uh, so here's the backstage for the Giro in 2015, the opening team time trial. Rode the course oh. yesterday. Was anymore, thought it was going to be a bit of a challenge if they kept a few thousand uh, fans and people on skateboards and stuff on the bike path, but they managed to get them off for today. So we're ready to go and kick some tires and lights and fires. These guys already at pace. Everybody just about still out of their saddle. Took them, a, take them a long time to settle, and that shows their absolute intention to grasp. This Remember, exiting the tunnel. Exiting the tunnel is more narrow. Good and wind her up again. Very good. Keep 
Keep the speed, keep the speed. Very good. Tight corner in 200 metres. Everyone off the bars, off the bars. Guys, we are eight seconds fastest time. Fastest time by eight seconds. Can rip up. Go, boys! Sprint, sprint, sprint! Let's go! 125 minutes to go. They're going to absolutely rip up the timing sheets here on the first day of the Giro. Looks like we've got our time trialing champions. I guess 19:26. They take 13 seconds off. A very good time and a 54.3 kilometers per hour. 13 seconds in front. Good job. Fastest time by 13 seconds, boys. You have done a perla. Really, I'm really happy, I'm really excited. <laughs> We're in the first stage in the Giro Italia, it's unbelievable. This is really a special race for me, and it's a good start now. Really, um, to, to do it two years in a row, and the thing that was special about this, Dan, is I, I think everybody was feeling the, the pressure of the expectation of winning today. I mean, you know, the, the odds, the, the odds were, um, we were clear favourites, and it's always really special when when you are the favourites and because of that extra special, the way the staff carried themselves and did their job, the way the riders were just so professional in their, in their warm-up, uh, obviously there, there was a little bit of stress and tension around and you could, you could feel it, but the, uh, to row the way that they did was, was exceptional and of course we're pretty happy. Oh, unreal, unreal. I mean, you're really the only one saying that. You know, to let us take that and rewind it back. It's a bit of a replay of last year. And unfortunately, I wasn't there last year after an injury and beforehand, and uh, got my got my chance this year. And unbelievable to be on that podium. And Good memories there, Bules. <laughs> um, I mean, how much? The last time I uh, didn't have a beard, probably. Mm, you were a bit of a baby face there. Um, <laughs> how much more stress is a team time trial? As opposed to when you're riding a, a road stage, you find it a bit more nerve wracking. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I was, especially like like Shane was saying in that video, we were favourites for for that stage, so that brings a, it does bring a lot of pressure. Um, you know, if, if if you don't win, then it's obviously seen as a, as a failure. And we had we had the squad there to to do that to win. We were, we were, the squad that was sent there was to win the team time trial. Um, and yeah, I mean, just the uh, just the adrenaline on the start line. You know, you need to get off to a good start, and you could see in that video how hard we started. Um, I can't remember who started. It might have been Hippy, I think. But he, and he was on an absolute pearl of that day. He was flying. Uh, so yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of news on the start line um, because you know, mistakes can be made in team time trials that can be quite costly. So you have to na nail that. Uh, I mean, it was a pretty straightforward course that one, but uh, yeah, we we had our tactics and everything and. At the end of the day, all you can do is, is when you're the favourites, is hope for good legs. And and the thing with team time trialing is that you need everybody to have good legs. You know, at that point was was nine guys in the Grand Tour, 
So you need all nine guys to have really good legs uh, and, to, and to be able to contribute like they should. And and, and for us, yeah, that, that was the case that day. So we we, uh, we pulled it off. Uh, now we're still getting some more comments coming in. The Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. A couple of eyeballs. Shout out to those guys. <laughs> uh, we've got some people tuning in. Sheila from uh, New Orleans in USA. You've been in New Orleans, Ify? No, I haven't. Uh, no, it's one of my one of my. It's on my bucket list, so I haven't got there Jeez. yet. I thought you would have been all over like Bourbon Street and all those sort of <laughs> back in the day. Uh, and then Richie Port fan number one has entered the chat. Uh, some nerve wracking times ahead for those guys. Uh, now I thought also I'd throw in, given that it's a pretty big mountain stage. Part two of Planet OGE Bills. And this is where oh, nice. the, li the little Legos uh, hit the mountains. So here we go. Welcome back to another stage of the Giro, guys. Today, we're heading the mountains. It's going to be a fantastic day today. I'm absolutely wrapped that I'm in the commentary box, not out there in the on-ground reporter. Let's have a look at today's Play-Doh profile, supplied by Play-Doh. As you can see from the Play-Doh profile, we've got a couple of small kickers to start before tackling the big dog later on. With the foul weather coming in, I expect some of the strong riders to flatten this Play-Doh out like a clean bedsheet. Now let's cross over to our new man on the ground, Luca Mizjic. Well, it's actually Mizjic. I hope you enjoy the commentary box because it's freezing out here. Hey, Caleb, it's a massive day for you today. It's a mountain stage. I love this prince art. <laughs> I meant making the time cut. Hey Esteban, you'll be looking for some strong team support today. Unlike me, my team dumped me from the commentary box. What sort of a question is that, Ms. Jack? Vincenzo, quick grab. Eh, back to you in the commentary box. Well, Sam, certainly looks like Luke is not having a great day out there. <laughs> yeah, mate, reminds me of the hippo earlier on, trying to get a selfie of the shark. Didn't work out. And it looks like the Meerkats have missed the break. Tell you what, it's punishment. It looks like their director has stuck the whole team on the front. Well, as predicted, midway through the race, the heavens have really opened. She's looking pretty wild and woolly out there. Let's see how it really is on the ground and cross to Luca. Miz gets, gets. Yeah, you've got right. With this rough weather, everybody's gone home. Back to you in the studio. And the riders have hit the Category 1 climb. This climb is so steep, I tell you, it's basically vertical. Oh, this is just ridiculous. It's almost too steep. The Meerkats, the first to get piped. We all know they like to live underground, and that's where they're heading. And here we are with the gorilla. He's been dropped early. For this guy at this stage, it's just a race against the time cup from here. And it looks like most of the GC riders have survived the climb. Here's Team Sky straight off the Death Star, setting a furious tempo on the descent here. But the Sharks beating them to it. They've gone from the early breakaway to the birdie breakaway. Orica is certainly going to have to do something right now because the shark looks like he's swimming away with it. Come on, guys. We can't leave this at Jaws 1. And Ruben Plaza, he's chucked the long line out. He's got him. He's hooked him. Here comes Chavez. Esteban Chavez has launched his sprint and he's won the stage. And with it, he's taken the Malia Rosa. What a day for Colombia. Unbelievable. The jersey's back with the Jedis. Esteban, great win. You must feel awesome. Oh, I'm... I'm really happy. I want to say thank you very much for all team. Well, uh, that's it. I'm out. See you next week or not. Oh, Blanco, Shane, Ayurio. We had so much time up our hands. Back then. <laughs> uh, we, we must have had a script for that, didn't we? 
It was some of those yeah. sayings where... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's just like champagne comedy. Making them up. I think I think you I think you come up with the early breakaway to the burly breakaway. I think I think you're pretty happy with that one. But uh now the big part of the show, everyone wants to know who the tips are, Johnny. And I suppose you were the flavor of the month uh, in the first couple of weeks, but you sort of tapered off. Um and everyone I suppose wants to hear what I think. But uh we'll, well start with start with you. You got the odds, mate. Got the odds. Well, look, it's interesting because I, I've got a feeling that uh, a break might get away <clears> and, <throat> and win the stage. And if that's the case, we'll go the, the odds. I, I like um, Chavez. I reckon if, if he can get in the break, he's a big chance. So I'll pick him for the for the break. But if if it's the the big hitters, I'm going to go the opposite to you. Uh, um, I think Project Car. Uh, Char, uh, and uh, and Roglic will will race out, but I think Roglic with the yellow jersey on his back, he really needs to stamp some authority over over his young apprentice. So I th- I'll go for for uh, for Roglic to take it out. But a couple of and we're looking odds, really good odds. Uh, Adam Yates at twenty one dollars. That finish suits him. There's that where they where, where Whitey, Whitey talks about those really ramps in that last little part. I could just imagine him hitting on the ramp, getting that gap, and and keeping going to the line. So uh, I reckon he would be a really good odds at twenty one dollars worth a bet. Mm. Well, I can't go past uh, Pogacar. I just I want to be on the winner. I don't care about the odds. Um, I think uh, they've shown their cards early in the race, right? But we know he's got that punch. And we know he's got that fire and he he's going to um, try something, obviously, you know, with a couple of Ks to go. Um, and I think, yeah, Rog- Roglic could go with him, but I think Pogacar's the man. I think he's going to win the stage. And, you know, I, they, you're talking about, all right, the breakaway could go, but they're going to need a fair chunk of time uh, at the bottom of that last HC because, as you know, the speed at which... The killer wasps have been uh, hitting these climbs. Uh, it's it's just going to be tough to stay away. I think for, for most of the stage, they're going to and and as you said early, Bill's like with the tour. If you have a little bad day today, you're going to lose massive chunks of time. So and particularly at altitude, um, it's going to be fireworks for sure. Bills, what's your who's your pick, Bills? All right. Uh, I think, I mean, we've been talking uh, the last couple of days about how the, the green jersey race has been affecting the, the breakaways. I think it's it's far too flat before the the, the sprint for for, uh, for it to have a real impact today. But I think with the green jersey race, it's actually becoming a free horse race now. Trentine's actually sneaking up the rankings there. He, he's oh, yeah, getting yeah. he, into position. So I think you'll be looking at um, guys like Sagan and Trentine both trying to be in the breakaway today if it goes before goes before that sprint um in terms of who's going to win the stage well yeah a breakaway could win but it depends how long it takes for the breakaway to go if the breakaway takes sort of 50 60 70 kilometers to go then it's going to be a gc uh, a gc battle uh, the, the gc riders will be contending the stage victory i think so uh i'm going to back roglich today because i think like i said earlier he is not going to be comfortable with 40 seconds he's going to need more time uh, it won't be easy to get rid of Pogachar in the finish there. Uh, so those two are going to be going hammer and tongs at each other. But uh, I'm going to back Roglic, 
Roglic from the from the uh, from the main group to win the stage. Yep. Well, I can just yep. see it happening now. It's all going to be together. Uh, Roglic is going to make his move. Pogacar is going to wheel suck, and he'll take him to the line. He'll pop him at the end. Rack, just rack the map up again, uh, uh, Daniel. That's right. Yes. So I believe that after that, I don't think the break will go before that sprint. I think because of uh, they're not going to get rid of Bewley, they'll end up uh, sprinting it out. The break will go straight up that sprint. It's about 45 kilometres before the climb. The break will go there. And I, I don't reckon Jumbo will chase as hard because they're all really worried about this finale at 2,300 metres. I don't. I think they're all a little bit nervous. I reckon they'll, if you get some good riders like Esteban out front, a few other good climbers, they'll be able to put a big gap in. They'll go over that that the, uh, the metal lane quicker than Jumbo. But while we're talking about that, I've got a question for you, Bills. Mm. Sure. I've, I've, I've been uh, uh, I've been shamed into not asking enough questions after the fantastic uh, performance of Matty Keenan yesterday at the beginning of the show. Hard hitting questions. It was great. Um, <laughs> he was great. But I, I, one thing I've noticed in this tour is is the pace of Jumbo Visma set, that they're setting, and yet when you're getting deep into the final stages of the races, there's still like thirty people in that peloton. Uh, other years, years gone by, at that sort of pace, you'd be down to a dozen. But, so it seems to be the standard. It seems to be really, really high. Yeah, the the level is is super high these days. Um, I was I was talking to Jens Kukulier, uh the stage on stage nine before the first rest day, and and he said to me, he's like, I'm not getting worse. I'm 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 training just as hard. My numbers are, are as good, if not better, than they ever have been before. But I'm, I can't. I just can't keep up. the 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 level of of those GC guys right now, it's so high across the board, and that's and that's why you see. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously, sure, Roglic and, and Pogacar are, are, are probably a little bit ahead of of the rest of the guys in the top ten. But that's why you're seeing five or six guys and fighting for for the podium because the level the level is just spread so high across across all those guys so it makes it exciting racing um but like you say if they, they they ride so fast that uh it's so hard for the people to, to attack but i really think that uh, with the team that roglic has and and, and jumbo visma they're, they're going to speed up they're going to ride even a little bit faster today on that last climb uh to to try to set up an attack from him Yep. Yeah, I agree. I, re- I agree. I reckon they will on the last climb, but on the Madeleine, I don't think they will. And that's where no. our man Chavez is going to uh, put the big gap in and ride away at the last climb and take out his first Tour de France stage. The real issue today is, is you obviously need to have um, a climb, a climber in the breakaway to win, um, and and Chavez certainly is in that position. That if he is in that breakaway, I, I would really back him to be the best guy. And I think I've said this before, but I would back him to be the best guy in that breakaway to win the stage. The problem is that it's so flat at the start, that, and and the, the fight for the breakaway is going to be is going to be huge, which means that the breakaway is going to take a long time to go. But because it's flat, it, it really changes the composition of those breakaways, um, and you you can end up having breakaways go away with with guys in there that can't that can't win win on those sorts of finishes. So. Yeah, the, the composition of the breakaway today and how long it takes is going is really going to be the key in seeing um, whether the breakaway wins or the bunch wins. 
Well, the, the, the issue that Esteban's got is he's tried for two or three days to get in the break, three or four times, massive efforts, and you can just see that it's it's taken its toll on him. You know, a lot of these guys that um, have been able to rest up and target these stages and not expert that or expel that energy the last couple of days are the ones that I think have got much better chance. So a guy like Hershey, he could get in the break. He's got a good chance of, of going to the line. I mean, his odds, you know, are great, but... Um, yeah, I just, I just question. I'd love it if he could get in the break, but I just think he's expelled so much energy the last two or three days. Um, I'm just wondering if he's going to be paying for that. And people, I, hope, I, 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 I mean, it's great that the, the TV coverage of the Tour de France uh, this year, certainly, and 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 probably the last couple of years, has been great because you've been able to see from start to finish the whole stage. Um, you know, and, and you get people out there going, "Oh, just go on the break, go on the break tomorrow." It's not that simple. <laughs> it's very, very, very hard to make those breakaways. Very, well, very a, hard. There's a question for you, Sam. Sam wants to know, I adore Chavez, uh, but I find he hasn't had enough power to get in the breakaway. What do you think of that? To get in those breakaways on days like today and in and, and the last couple of days, uh, a lot of, you need a lot of luck because at, at this point in the race, two-thirds of the peloton is trying to get in that breakaway. Uh, and it comes down to a many, many factors about uh, when Jumbo's happy for that breakaway. They don't want too many guys. That, they and, the, and there's eight teams, I think, that haven't won a stage or done anything. And this, is when and, the, this is when the DS is really ride your ass. Yeah. So everybody is trying to be in that breakaway. And uh, the simple fact of the matter is that you can't just let 70 riders go up the road. So the to get in those breakaways, it's yeah, sure, you need to have the legs to be able to to be able to do it today on a on a flatter finish, uh, fl sorry, a flat start. You need um, you need more luck than legs. To be honest, you, it's yeah, those breakaways are very very challenging to get in, uh, and, you, and you just need to to follow the right move at the right time and uh, and hope for the best. I was thinking, yeah, yeah so you're right, John. I was, gonna, I was having a laugh. It's exactly what uh, Buells was just saying. And, and, and to be fair to Chavez, he actually got in three moves the other day, which were almost the break. He was there, and then they got caught. He was there in another one, and they got caught. So he was there three times. But it's just that it's got to be the right mix of riders. And then suddenly, when the right mix goes, you see Jumbo come to the front. It's almost like, a, righto, whoop, we'll just ease it up now. And away they go. That's the right one. See you, but, see you later. <laughs> is it hard, Billy? Like, if you know a break's going to go pretty much from the gun, um, is it a real fight to get to the start line and push away to the front? Like, mm. if, there, if there's not much neutral, do you see a lot of guys that are either getting to the start 15 minutes early or whatever because you don't want to be fighting your way from the back? One of the protocols uh, that the ASO's brought in with, with the COVID stuff is that you're not not allowed to go to the start line before ten minutes uh, before the start before the start gun goes. So yeah, you, you have to wait until ten minutes before, and the whole bunch is going whoop, rushing rushing to the start line. Um, but yeah, 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 it's always nice to start in the front row if you can. Yeah, typically there's a, there's a neutral zone where you can you can move up and things like that. But the, when when it's a stage where the breakaway knows it's going to succeed. Um, and every man and his dog wants to be in there. Those neutral zones are just about as bloody dangerous as a sprint finish. Um, <laughs> and Sheila, our mate from New Orleans, wants to know, what about Adam? So what do you think he's going to be doing this stage, Bules? Well, I think um, Adam's going for the GC now. I think that's probably quite clear. 
Really? You heard it first here on the detour, folks. <laughs> I haven't spoken to him or one or anybody else, but it seems like he's in a position where, uh, you know, might as well try for the GC now. Um, so what's he going to do today? I think he's going to follow. Um, he's not going to attack. Well, actually, maybe he will because he, he, he loves to get amongst it. But, you know, if, if, if he wants to finish on the podium, he certainly won't be going in any breakaways. Uh, he'll be he'll be following those the pace of Visma on that last climb and then and then trying to follow the attacks of, the, of Roglic and Pogacar there in the, in the, in the last uh, 4 or 5K. And that 20%, like for the people that don't know, that is super steep. Like literally, you know, if it was someone like me, obviously oh, I have to get off and walk. But how hard is that? 80% off, 100%. So, yeah, it's oh. pretty steep. Uh, <laughs> and no, it's 20, 20% is steep. 20% is very, very steep. So the, the, there would have been a lot of selections around uh, gearing today. Uh, the, the, you know, we, we, we have quite a, a number of options, uh, especially with Shimano, of what chain rings and what, what, what we can use at the back there. So there would have been a lot of selection around gearings. Uh, you want a small gear to get those steep climbs. And and like we were speaking about earlier, the, the time gaps can be so big on a steep climb like that because if you think about 100 metres at, you know, if you 100 metres at 20% can take you... Uh, you know, 20 seconds or 30 seconds to get up as opposed to a, a flatter finish where it might only take you 10 seconds. So uh, time gaps can be, be a lot bigger on those steeper climbs. And and how much have you got to be careful with your food and drink on a stage like this? Like if you start to bonk on that last climb, how much are you literally taking in throughout the stage? Yeah, no, fueling is obviously... It's, and, and not just the fact that the stage is so hard and that climb so steep, but the fact that we're, we're two and a half weeks into a Grand Tour now, fueling is hugely important. Um, I don't know what the weather's doing there today, but if it's hot, you need to be getting a lot of a lot of fluid in, obviously, to, for, the, for, the, for the hydration. Uh, and, you, you, and, and at the end of the day, when, you, when you're tacking there at the end of the stage, you're really going into your, into your glycogen levels. So you need lots of sugar, uh, so I, I would imagine the guys will be will be putting a lot of gels uh, and a lot of like fast acting sugars into the, into their body for their last climb. All right. Uh, before we wrap it up, we have a few more comments. Philip Skirman says, "Bills, he's like an encyclopedia. What a guy! Is that one of your good mates or what?" Uh, Tony wants to know: Is there less miles in their legs due to COVID lockdown? Therefore, the riders are fresher than previous years. Do you think that's had an effect? Um, yeah, well, it depends where we were uh, during during the lockdown because a lot of countries were um, people, especially in Europe. You know, if you were in Belgium or Germany, uh, these sorts of places, uh, you were actually still able to train outside during the, during the, the the lockdown. Whereas if you're in Spain or France and things like that, you, you couldn't. You were stuck inside. So it's a bit of a mix in the peloton uh, uh, as to what people have been able to do through through that period. Uh, and yeah, look, the, the the main the main key main point is that there hasn't been any racing before the Tour de France this year. Well, very you know very small amount of racing, so that's going to make a, a big impact on this third week. Uh, guys are either, either going to get better, uh, having come in a little bit underdone, or, or people are going to get worse having having not had any racing or enough racing before the Tour. So that's why this last week will be so exciting. Uh, and, in a sense, unpredictable. 
Um, we've got some questions from some cycling boffins. Uh, Alex wants to know, Sam, when you say small gear, what would you be running on the rear and what size chain ring? Um, on a stage like today, and we've had stages like this, uh, especially in the in the Vuelta and the Giro, we have these super, super steep climbs in the final. I would, probably, I would be running a 36, 36 chain ring and probably a 32 or a 30 on the back. So very, very small gears. And, not like the uh, old, not like the where you guys used to run 53, 15. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had, we, I can remember we rode with the Giro with the Stelvio and, uh, and the Motorola and that, and you know how steep they are, uh, Bills. And we had 42, 26. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy when you think, when you think back to those days when, um, yeah, that they're doing this. You guys are doing this, the same climbs that we as, as we're doing, and, and and you had you just had no options when it came to gearing. But now now with uh, with uh, Shimano, yeah, we have so many different options, and, and we 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 must be a pain in the ass for the mechanics because we're constantly changing our gears. You know, if it's a flat day. I mean, I, a couple of days in the in the tour this year, I rode, I rode a fifty five chain ring, big chain ring. You know, so it'd be like, oh, I'll have a 55 today or a 53 today and oh, 36 inside and a 32 at the back or oh, 28 and 38. And rah, rah, they're just constantly screwing, unscrewing chain rings. <laughs> um, Scott's got a good question for you, Ify. What's the preference, Adam on the podium for the Aussie team or Richie on the podium as the Aussie GC hope? Uh, I've, I've got to say, um, Richie, I, I, he, he's a really good mate. Um He's never, never, you know, he's, he's had bad luck. He probably could have got on the podium a couple of times back when he was at the height of his career. Uh, and uh, I would just really, really like to see that. And uh, Sheila's on fire from New Orleans. Uh, will we see guys miss the time cut? That's actually a good, good question. Oh, tomorrow, no. No, yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow is their big challenge. Stage uh, uh, 18 is... A really, really tough day for the sprinters. Okay. All right. Well, I think that wraps a massive show, guys. Um, thanks for sending in all the questions. Uh, and yeah, we really hope that. Oh well, we know it's going to be uh, action-packed stage tonight. And uh, yeah, my tip, Pogachar, some money in the bank. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't. Think, I think. I think yeah. Look, I, that's not really true. I think Roglic, but it's fifty-fifty. They are the, the two favourites, but I still think the breakaway is going to go. And I'd just like to finish. We touched on him, but I thought Matteo Trenton's ride yesterday was superb. Not only did he get out there and take the twenty points, but he dug in and got uh, three points in the finale as well. A very tough finish. So very impressed with uh, Matteo Trenton. Yeah, and great insights again, Bills. It's bloody good having a, a writer being able to uh, answer all these questions. And you've obviously got a good fan base, mate. So you might have to bust out a cooking show over the next couple of days. How to cook one hand. That's right. <laughs> a lot of soups. All right. Uh, we'll see you all again tomorrow, 7.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and make sure you uh, follow us on YouTube. So search the Detour podcast uh, and on Facebook as well because we post up little clips all the time. And if you can share them amongst your friends, we'd really appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you again tomorrow night. And uh, go Pogacar, go Yatesy, go Richie, and go Esteban. We'll cover all the bases. <laughs> this is the Detour.
winning ride on the Tour de 